You're listening to an episode of G.I. Joburg. It's episode 213. My name is Steve. I'm joined by... Smooth-sounding Paul. Ooh, damn. Rob is... Impressed Rob is here, too. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got a wham-bam-chack-packed... Packed... Cracked agenda tonight. It's an open agenda, so uh, anything could happen. Let's bring uh, various new uh, and exciting items to the table. Like this, a little uh, ditty that I'd like to bring to everyone's attention. If we're talking new shit, has anyone seen the most recent image of the Super 7 reaction figures all posed on a mountainous diorama set against a blue sky? No, um, Cobra Commander, you... don't shoot that bird! What do you <laughs> fellas think of five point of articulation action figures advertised in this way. I mean, it does hawk back to the way G.I. Joe figures were typically marketed. You know, they were on a kind of a landscape. Uh, But these guys are not those guys. These guys are different guys. These guys are G.I. Joe and Cobra mannequins. Was this a (laughs) successful ad campaign or did this do those figures a disservice? Uh, Discuss. In the eyes of a long-running G.I. Joe fan, I find that it's quite uh, obvious how stiff they are. (laughs) The terrain only makes them more stiff looking. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm. Rob? Yeah, they uh, they do kind of look out of place. I think think they should have just displayed them in their packaging. (laughs) That's where these figures should remain. (laughs) Although Destro still looks badass. They've done oh, it. They've done, they've done package shots. They obviously wanted to ramp up their marketing because these do drop in September, which is, I mean, it's a breath away. I think the pre-orders are all up. So, you know, if yeah. you really want to order some Kenner G.I. Joe action figures. <laughs> <laughs> um, circa 1978. Uh, the, this is your chance. Um, you want to feel like you're back in the 70s again? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it does feel very <laughs> retro. I mean, I think it fits with what they're trying to go for. Um, obviously, it doesn't appeal to people who want tons of articulation from their figures, but I think this will probably set alight the fire in those fans who do want these guys. That's yes, so I mean, worth showing. <laughs> you, you, you said it best, I think, when we addressed these first off with, uh, with good old Tony Roberts in attendance. Um, that these appeal to the same kind of collectors who get pops. You know, these are novelty items that happen to be G.I. Joe branded. Um, So this is for a much wider uh, and more casual retro cornucopia kind of collector or curiosity type of collector. Um, And not strictly speaking, G.I. Joe hardcore like you or I. Mm. But if you were in charge of marketing these figures, how better would you market them? I mean, like, what is a, a better option to show off these figures than to pose them on a rocky landscape a la a G.I. Joe catalog from back in the day? Hmm. Paul, arty farty man. Yeah. What's your plan of attack? Um, I, would, I would have at least put them in, if I'm going to put them in a diorama, I would have put it in a diorama that's got, like, hard edges for starters. Um, so like a, more like a base interior or something like that, or kind of done it up like a toy shelf, you know, like a toy shelf come, 
uh, you know, inside the base kind of vibe, because then at least the organic shapes of the figures would contrast with the harder lines of the backdrop. I feel like that would probably get a lot more win from there. And I also think it would go with the design of the less articulation type of vibe. I, I think it might even inspire collectors to do that to their shelves where they would keep a, a, a toy like this. That would be that would be my approach. I would and also I think you bang on the money, man. I, mm. I, I'd take your thought a little bit further and say, maybe even like, get a very painterly st uh, style design, like a sunbow animation backdrop. Mm. So for the Joes, it would be the interior of the kind of like nerve center of the GI Joe HQ, you know, where breaker or sparks typically sits at the table, like have that as the backdrop for like the top row. And then the bottom row have like a Cobra throne room, you, you know, with big braziers, flames, snake banners, stuff like that. But in that very classic 1980s mm. cartoon background style. Yeah. Yeah. Be yeah. Go. I was going to say, I think if you could kind of tie it more closely to the animated series, you'd probably win and a lot more. Definitely do not attempt a faux pose. I mean, <laughs> having having Cobra Commander raise his stiff, stiff arm to the to the sky only, <laughs> as you say, highlights the limitations of these figures. Like, have them all arms at attention, basically, or arms at their sides. Like, don't attempt to vary their posture somehow because it just doesn't work. These guys look good in one pose and one pose only. The fact that yeah. they have articulation the is just like. <laughs> anyway, I feel we've I'm gonna reach the in, point enough. Yeah, go ahead. Man. I want to reach into the comments uh, with this gem from Gaz that's uh, displayed. It's Quinn looks like an angry Christmas elf, or is it just me? Um, no, it's not just you, Gaz. He does look <laughs> like an angry Christmas elf. He definitely like looks like the guy who didn't get his BMX this Christmas um, and had to dress up as Santa. Uh, but to his credit and to sevens, uh, Super 7's credit, at least this time he finally has an accurate weapon. I mean, mm. how often has he been shunted off with Roadblock's Mardus? And that's actually incorrect. Like, when Roadblock mm. came along with the Mardus, it was a step up from the already enormous weapon that Quinn wielded. So there was a little bit of a dramatic kind of ramping up there. But, but yeah, Quinn's weapon is distinct. It is the, the 30 cal air-cooled. I'm also going to bring us to Darren Cobb's comment of look at uh, CC, look at my mighty Cobra hairdryer. <laughs> <laughs> Though, um, once again, the weapon is accurate to the cartoon series and not to his hairdryer Venom Blaster. Like that's what's so, such a tease with the Super mm. 7 stuff is the, the adherence that they have had to the designs, to the accessories, Give us a glimpse of what we could have gotten if Hasbro got their shit together and made the retro collection what we expected them to make it. Instead of and just giving us more modern era stuff, they could have done this. They could have done cartoon, accurate, like perfect. There could be O-ring or there could be a no-ring style that apes the O-ring style. But like, mm. do this. Do what Super 7 is doing. But give it all the articulation that a G.I. Joe should have. Exactly. <sighs> It pisses but, me off that the, the license holders give us this and the third party um, creators who can't touch actual G.I. Joe characters give us superior product, but we'll never get a Snake Eyes or a, or a Cobra Commander or a Scarlet or a Baroness. Like as good as that product gets, 
and I have every faith that the third party guys will do amazing work, it will be original characters. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where a GI Joe fan kind of falls down. He's like, ah, I don't really mm. want to invest in this stuff. Cause who is that guy? And who is that guy? Like I can maybe create my own custom characters, but I don't want to I want my perfect mm. little shelf of, you know, new retro GI Joes. Ah, damn it. That's me but at least. Bart says the guns look okay, but 18 bucks for a crap figure just to get the gun is a bit much. If these were five bucks, I'd get them. Yeah, but I, I gotta say the price point is also very prohibitive for me. Uh, uh, any, any sort of curiosity I had about these figures was blown out of the water with the price tag. I mean, $18, uh, I'd rather make an effort to get some classified Joes if that's the case or a transformers figure or something i don't know i just i feel 18 dollars is a bit much for these and i have but that way. i see your point and i'll raise you this you being a customizer would go out of your way to get a hold of that baroness head or that destro head like that might actually be worth 18 bucks to you man because you will gut that head and chuck away the rest of the figure <laughs> but yeah for a head alone i think it's gonna be an itch and i've now <laughs> i've planted the seed man maybe you're gonna be fighting yourself for the next couple of months while you're deployed like do i scratch it do i scratch it also there is some chatter in the the comments about the ultimates wave um okay and they you know about them being 55 dollars and that kind of thing I can say, guys, as somebody who's bought some of the Super 7 Ultimates, namely the Ninja Turtles, uh, and I do have two humanoid figures from that line, uh, they are very cool. Like, I really, really like them. I think you're going to definitely uh, feel that your $55 was well spent. Uh, but that's, of course, if you like the articulation and the aesthetic of the actual toys themselves. Um, I think if the aesthetic is lost on you, there's nothing that Super 7 is going to do to make you like those toys. So, guys, at least there's that um but anyway <laughs> um oh and then there is one last comment i wanted to reach into and it is from mcdj acdc and he says look good for the painting apps but they are overgrown playmobil toys yeah <clears throat> i i agree with that too um and that is or further fish, fisher price adventure people yeah except it's just... adventure people had a bit more motion sculpted to them mm. oh and they had ball jointed heads which gives them a little bit more character these guys i don't think have that much oh well <laughs> but yeah playmobil toys yeah uh, i buy that so <laughs> go uh... well with uh, those those of us who like to integrate playmobil into our gi joe collections <laughs> these will be the so... perfect crew <laughs> so now that we're looking at new toys uh have any of you guys got any new toys like this week, anything cool, any new shit, Funko Pops, maybe? Oh, there's a funny <laughs> no, story to that. <laughs> Uh-oh. No, look, I, I've got something new staring me in the face in the room that I'm sitting in. Oof. Because... I make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Australia celebrates Father's Day a little bit later than the rest of the world. I think it's the 1st of September, huh. which doesn't always fall on a Sunday. So here I sit, it's Sunday, the Sunday before Father's Day, waiting, um, because this is a 
Father's Day gift to myself, I suppose. <laughs> I use any excuse these days to get myself something. Um, <laughs> but I, I can't open it yet. I, well, I can't bring myself to open it yet. I'm a, a rule-abiding gift recipient. Um, so I wonder no, what it I could be. I'll wait for the midweek Father's Day. Thanks, Australia. Oh, and also, did you know that in, in Australia, like mixed sweets, like gums, jelly babies, um, mm. jelly beans, sour worms, you know, if you have a jar of sweets, they're called lollies. They're all called lollies. So then no. I ask, then, then what is a, a you know, a, a hard candy that's on a stick? Oh, that's a lollipop. It's like, <laughs> what? Anyways, now you know, guys, in Australia, a lolly could be a milk bottle. Australia is weird. <laughs> Yeah, well, we love it here, don't we? We do, we do. It's amazing, I'm sure. <laughs> it's an education. It's something new every day. But hey, listen, at least they're not calling traffic lights robots like we do. So yeah, we've got that one all to ourselves. Rob, one. have you got anything new, my brother? Uh, no, not yet. I'm I'm still waiting to get paid before I buy anything new. <laughs> Ooh, then uh, what do you have in your crosshairs? Well, I think I will finally get the well the Funko Pop of um, Jack from from The Shining. I've been putting it off for ages, and I think uh, it's gathering a little bit too much dust at work. It should gather dust at home with me. <laughs> Do it, dude. Do it. That sounds like a great toy for not being a toy. <laughs> what did you get, Paul? Come on, there's got to be something, some some Motu related stuff that you got. This I time. actually didn't buy anything Motu related. because uh, oh, um, you own um, it all now. Uh, no, I don't. I'm, I'm, I must be honest. I am really doing a lot of mental gymnastics about a castle Grayskull. It's mm. a combination of factors. It, firstly, there's guys in South Africa who are trying to sell them for like between three and four grand. There's a part of me that's hoping that they actually come to retail here. Um, and then there is the price of them on Big Bad Toy Store. And then there's the logistics of getting them here. So I am really wrestling with that. So yeah, hopefully I find the light at the end of the tunnel for that thing. Um, but what I actually did get, and uh, I, it broke me, <laughs> not, not in a bad way. I mean, I wasn't going to get this. I was like, no, I'm only going to buy one of these. And then this thing's been mulling over in my brain. And I bought the Studio Series 86 Jazz from Transformers. I actually did it this morning uh, when I was out shopping. And uh, wow, it's a really cool little toy. Like... That series line is just a gift that keeps on giving. And I know I say that a lot, but when, when the toys are cool, when the toys are this cool, you can say that. Thankfully, I will stop because I have absolutely no interest in getting a cup. I already have an amazing blur in the form of the Titans Return series. And I've also got a really great Scourge. Even though the Studio Series Scourge is a little bit bigger and I suppose it's more scale accurate, I can live without another Scourge in my life. So... Yeah, you know, jazz. it's this is the same thing like me and Steven experienced when we were younger. Like Joe Briggs seemed to get all the really good stuff in their toy stores, and then we got nothing. Like I've looked at our toys, our local toys R Us, and there is none of this amazing Transformers things mm. there. It's just it's just random rubbish. Dude, <laughs> the only thing I can actually say to that right now is I think that there is a stronger buyer market in Cape Town because I think a lot of Joburg collectors have moved down to Cape Town in the last year and a half. Um, and I also think that um, guys are more willing to pinch, pinch those because when I went to go and pick up the Jazz, I mean, I was 
oh my word, like, I hope he's still there. I hope he hasn't been sold. And all three of the hot rods, uh, minus one, that were there when I bought my hot rod, and the two jazzes that were actually on the shelf were still there. So, huh. yeah. And, and then also, to be fair, the Toys R Us at Cresta, which is, you know, a very popular mall, they didn't have any of this wave. So maybe this wave has sort of been uh, sort of sparsely distributed, you know? Um, maybe there's a, a problem. Shocking. So now I've got to fight these darn Joburgers who've moved down here for new toys. For, for new toys, right? I mean, <sighs> yeah. I mean, as it is, dude, it's bad enough with Motu stuff. I mean, guys, like, I've just seen there's been a restock of the, the most recent wave. So there's Mermans and Evelyns and whatever's back on the shelf. Um, and they've now found their way in, in, in checkers. How cool is that? How cool is it that there's like Motu figures in the checkers again? Oh, uh, for our that listeners. takes me back. Yeah, checkers is kind of like, let's compare it to Walmart, uh, to be fair, uh, or Target or whatever. It's more like Walmart, I'd say. Um, just to have toys like that in the toy aisles of a regular sort of grocery store or department, grocery department store, whatever. Um, that's just really great because usually you have to go to like toy stores and whatever to pick up that stuff. So it's cool to see that. But yeah, the Motu fans in this country are, are crazy, hey? I mean... There's a guy in Bloemfontein uh, who I get a lot of my ultimate stuff from because he's actually a really cool guy and I like supporting like, you know, a brick and mortar store. So I buy stuff from them online and uh, they get Motu figures and he recently got uh, Tila and uh, Roboto and I was like, okay, well, thankfully I have them. So I posted them on a local Masters of the Universe group and they're 499 Rand, which is pretty much twice the price of what you're buying Oof. them for in store. But you're not going to get those figures in the store because those waves are from the earlier waves that were only sent to Walmart initially. So, hmm. and, and also to our American uh, and international listeners, you guys know that it's difficult to get Teela and Roboto and Beastman and Trapjaw and all that because they just are difficult to get at the moment. So I post this thing on the group. I'm like, hey guys, listen, these dudes in Bloemfontein, they've got this figure, it's $4.99. And the response is like, Oh, that's like twice the price of the figure. Oh, and then you have to add shipping to it. I'm like, oh, fuck off. You know, like, there it is. If you really want it, get it. Otherwise, your alternative is to order it from Amazon, and then you're going to pay the same price as the figure to ship it here anyway. So stop being a knob. You know, like, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, can't people just be, like, grateful sometimes? Like, uh, anyway. Um, it's funny you bring up Funko Pops, Rob. Uh, I saw the first Funko Pop that I might have actually ever considered buying yesterday. And Incredible. it comes with... Yeah, so uh, one of our G.I. Joburg members on the Facebook group and somebody that we had the pleasure of running into at Kokomo Toys, uh, Rob Walsh. I hope you're listening, dude. Um, happy birthday, bud. It was his birthday the other day. And, hey. Uh, nice hey. Happy birthday, Rob. And happy birthday, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and he got Walsh. a Funko Pop Battle Android Trooper. And I have to say, that thing is sexy, dude. That is one very sexy little Funko Pop that actually made me go, mm, I might want one. <laughs> but I was like, no. Yeah. I think it's anyway. when they do something unique and different is when it's interesting. Um, and, yes. And it's right? like, it's, it's, it kind of tempts one. Um, when they kind of just all the average human kind of one where they're just standing there, you know, it's applied a couple of different um you know sculpting things to it to make it slightly different from the other ones um that's not interesting beady um, little eyes yeah they've been little eyes and they're staring at you with their little cute faces 
Oh, anyway. you're so cute. Don't make <laughs> me right, target practice. <laughs> anyway. Hey, fellas, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you playing? <laughs> do, 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 do. Well, I started a game. Did I say this last week? I don't remember. I think I only started this week called The Witness. Um, oh, cool. It's a it's a puzzle game. I'm horrendous at puzzle games, but I'm I'm you know bashing my head against the desk and slowly making my way through it. Um, it's a very cool game. It's set on an island. Uh, you don't know why you're there, but there are these kind of like puzzles you've got to f- solve and figure out. And as you go along, I think you kind of discover more of like the island and what, what's going on there. Um, yeah, but I I've, yeah I really have realized I'm I'm horrendous at like puzzling out things. Okay, my brain just doesn't doesn't wrap itself very easily around puzzles and um, solving those. It's kind of like like back in the day, I think I tried playing Mist from the early two oh, thousands. That game. That I think I, I just loved running around and not actually solving anything. <laughs> so I don't think Mist I got anywhere in that game at all. Um, otherwise, I've started uh, watching a series called Love, Death, and Robots. Finally, mm. Ooh, after totally. many people have recommended this to me, like over however many years. Oh, now. it's a bad time, Rob. Um, it's really fantastic, and I love that. Like, it showcases so many different like animation styles and and story um story types, I suppose. Um, and there's humor. There's like like full on hard sci fi. Um, probably one of my favorite ones so far was um I think these guys were delivering something. And then the ship gets um, knocked out of the um, the hyperspace lane, and they end up somewhere. Um, like that just felt like proper hard sci-fi. Um, mm. Had really cool like design elements to the ships and to everything else in that episode. Um, and another standout one is where a woman witnesses a man killing someone, and then she's being chased by this man. And then like how the entire episode kind of like comes back to the start somehow at the end. Um, that was also a really fantastic episode. Nice, oh, for dude. me, when I watched it, the high watermark was the first episode, and then it was a case of diminishing returns. I was like, "Hold on, eh. slow down okay. there." All right, um, <laughs> ne- Netflix. No, no, no. Netflix actually purposefully shuffles the uh, the episode order um, per region for for Love, Death, and Robots. Hey, oh, which first episode are you referring so what, to? What did you watch? Yeah. The episode where you've got these um, beasts that battle and you kind of connect to them you yes. buy like a yeah, neural that wasn't net. my first episode. What? No. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. My first a, one a real was a really funny one with um, these three robots kind of exploring humanity. Oh, I love that. The that remains so of humanity cute. after they, you know, they were dead. They're like, oh, what does this thing do? I love what that. What does this the thing cats, do? The cats the inherit cats. the birth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of the videos they're like <laughs> i love that but they can be very hit and miss i think uh it just depends, oh definitely i think on your own mood and, and what you're interested in but i mean mm. i think there really are ones that kind of will connect to almost anyone so you kind of just you know you keep watching there's also a really cool one set on a planet with these people um farmers and like oh, i was breaches. just about to say i love that, that was one. a really i thought that was a really fun so sick too. so so sick that was very cool Clearly, I should give it another whirl. I think yeah, it's five episodes on, deep, and I mean they are very brief, aren't they? Like five minutes each. Yeah, they. Well, the lengths vary. They vary between five yeah. and okay. I think the longest one I watched was seventeen minutes long. Hmm. There was also right. to knock them out quickly. You know, you just sit on the loo, you watch one, or you know, <laughs> you're making breakfast, you watch one. <laughs> 
from an animation perspective uh, and, and from a sort of let's call it industry um, you know slave perspective uh, <laughs> some of those are incredibly well done from a technical point of view uh, like there's one there's one in there and I don't want to get into it too much but it uses a lot of uh, realistic faces and a lot of um, what you would think is mocap and actually those guys purposefully didn't mocap they actually animated all of the facial features and all of the movements and stuff manually hmm. and so Jeez. that in itself that's super impressive that's like that's flexing big time that's like wow we watch human beings a lot <laughs> um so they didn't rotoscope or anything and that that is super 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 impressive that's like yeah, look how big my dick is, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, but thankfully, uh, it look how little I'm using it because all I do is sit in front of a computer every day, all day. <laughs> oh, my exactly. Goodness. Yeah. No. Anyway, yeah, it needs a Kickstarter to be unlocked. <laughs> it's a stretch goal. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Paul, are you reading, watching, uh, playing anything interesting? I just recently uh, finished Orange Is the New Black. Uh, which was great for me. It's uh, been another series that I've actually be, actually been watching for a long time. Um, and really, here I'm yeah. thinking like this is a this is another case of Celia in action. No, no, no. This is actually I've been watching it <laughs> since before Celia. Actually, no, oh, I love Orange okay. Is the New Black. I thought it was very well written. It's, uh, I enjoy the perspective of it. Um, you know, getting that perspective not only from like the prison side of things, but also enjoyed the the characters and like, and you get that woman's perspective on certain things. It's been very, I don't know, I just really enjoyed it and I thought that it uh, hits the right notes and it ended well for me at least. And uh, and it does, it does hit you in the feels a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I've just, I got hooked onto it. I watched the first episode, uh, first season like a long time ago and I was like, damn, this is, I understand why people enjoyed the show. So I recently finished that, that was, that was great. Um, I haven't really had a chance to get into anything new um i've actually just been balls to the wall busy um with running the animation series and um doing stuff for uh our number one telecommunications uh, service provider in south africa <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we've been doing a lot of we've been working on the next campaign that's all i can say i can't say more than that because ndas and stuff but anyway i've just been really really busy and it's come with its own set of challenges um so yeah i'm looking forward to that uh, that clearing up on the 1st and the 3rd of September, respectively. And then hopefully I can get back into playing Prey, which I've been really, really enjoying. Guys, if you are not, if you haven't played a game called Prey before, I'm not talking about the first release of Prey that came out on the Xbox, which was fantastic in its own right. I'm talking about the sort of pseudo sequel made by Arcane Studios, the same guys who brought us games like Dishonored. It is essentially uh, Bioshock. And if you're old enough to remember this and you played this game, it's kind of like a modern version of System Shock. Uh, and it's just fantastic. Absolutely awesome game. Mind-bending story. Fantastic gameplay. I can't say fantastic enough for this, so I'm going to say it a lot. <laughs> and it's only like 200 bucks um, on Steam and on the PlayStation Store. I don't know what it is going for on the Xbox Store right now, but it's 200 bucks, well spent. Um, I think that works out to, what, $15? Uh, maybe less. Um, but you won't be disappointed. There's about 30 hours worth of gameplay there. And if you're a busy person like myself, uh, you can play it piecemeal. You can do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, you know, for an hour or something, and then you can stop and you can do whatever you need to do and come back and play it because it is just structured very well. Anyway, I want to give this game praise because 
it is the it is a gem of a game it is uh majorly overlooked it is critically acclaimed i feel like it sadly came out just a little bit too soon for everybody to fully grasp it but here i am playing it uh almost three years after its release three years after i actually bought it and i am loving it so much so anyway guys check that out sorry for the sales pitch but uh when a game is that good i want that studio to to get the love so anyway that's me that's what i'm playing paul i'm gonna call you out on something that you recommended to the listeners last week which is what like is when you got talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion oh, and you beautiful. said like, I, if you, if you haven't ever watched Neon Genesis Evangelion, you need to watch this and this and this and this and this and the next thing and the other thing. And basically <laughs> it seemed like as a sort of introductory taste, they had to watch the entire saga and every single iteration. So yeah <laughs> given it some hindsight can you pare that down a bit like what is the essential thing if someone needs okay to be... watch the original like... series okay, okay so you have you. to watch the original series that was released in 1995 then you have to be confused no as crap no but One you, thing. you do <laughs> One thing. No, no but that's the problem even gillian is not like you that. must be it's, confused it's not like that it's not a simple thing like that it's like when you watch the original series that came out in 95 it ends <laughs> you will be left confused then you have mm. to watch the end of Evangelion, which is the movie which came out to try and finish it. And then a few years later, they did the rebuild of Evangelion. And then it's just those four movies that you have to watch. And then it completes the whole thing. So essentially, it's one whole thing. It's like one whole saga. It would be like me telling you if you watch rebuild of Evangelion, it would be like me telling you to watch um, Star Trek Voyager or Deep Space Nine without having watched TNG. It just, it's still really great, but you'll miss the nuances, you know, so. I, I, a, well, for yeah. my part, I watched uh, the, the third episode of What If Ellipsis, um, and things took a turn for the dark, and I'm finally kind of on board because, yeah, you kind of want to see where things go with Marvel if, uh, you know, if plot contrivances and incredible Hail Mary moments had not happened and things went down shit street. Yeah, so and episode the, three seeks to do that. Yes. The first episode was, um, what if, uh, what's her name, Carter? Peggy Carter, America? correct. Or um, Captain, she, if she got the super soldier serum, because she doesn't uh, become Captain America. She becomes a riff on Captain Britain, because, you know, Die-hard comic book fans will know that Captain Britain was something else altogether. Yeah, um, completely different. He's kind of like magic-based. Yeah, so kinda. she was Peggy Carter, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., but with the S.H.I.E.L.D., you know. And the S.H.I.E.L.D. had a Union Jack on it. That's, hey, that's the twist. That's and they do something interesting wow. with Steve anyway. So, he, he, you know, Steve doesn't kind of bow out now that he's no longer ripped. Well, he wouldn't, because that's that's what makes Steve Rogers so great. That's why yeah. he's Captain America. It's his will. It's his willpower. And well, then episode two Howard was... Stark does play his hand as well. So okay, a, he helps yeah. out. Mm -hmm. And then oh. episode two was, what if T'Challa was abducted uh, instead of instead of uh, Stephen Stephen Quill? <laughs> I, I, Peter Quill, I will Peter confirm Quill. that simply because you haven't seen it, Rob. So this can't be spoilers, right? Right? No, I don't. I don't think so. 
I mean, okay. I mean, that's the premise of the episode. I mean, mm, I, I think yeah. you can you can set up the premise of an episode. Okay, so the third one is if things get really dark. Yeah, yeah, and mm. and it kind of occupies a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that appeals to me more because First Avenger was a, a possible origins film, but like certainly not the high watermark of Captain America's story, and. I'm sorry, all you fans of Guardians of the Galaxy, but that stuff, for all its fun and all its whimsy, never really excited me. I guess when things get intergalactic, I tune get out. a little bored. Yeah, I do yeah. tune out. Yeah, yeah. So the, the episode three plays in the sandbox that I, I I enjoy the most. And yeah, it did deliver some some gut punches and some interesting um, twists. Hey, fun. Mm. But I gotta get let's the shift. Series. Do it, brother. Let's shift the focus back to Joe. It's been quite a prolific week of releases for for our various avenues. Uh, over on YouTube, we published this. Ooh, is that a video was, about Snake Eyes? It was a Snake Eyes review, as promised. We delivered at long last. <laughs> um, we did Snake Eyes Swivel Arm 1983 version. Um, I just talked up my my initial reception of this look, the fact that like V1 Snake Eyes just didn't exist until I saw him for the first time in the pages of the comic book. And I honestly thought to myself, well, this is a very like watered down look for Snake Eyes. Where are his big knives? Where's the visor? Did he lose all his equipment in the issues prior? But it very quickly becomes a, a serious love letter to how less is more and the simplicity of this figure is really like it's something that other snake eyes have embellished upon but all those embellishments are actually in the final analysis unnecessary like v1 is perfection he's all in black because why would he have any other color on his uniform you know if he does his best work after dark and alone yeah man why would his straps or pockets or visor or goggles be in any other color? It's, I know it's a cost-cutting method, but it, it shouldn't be any other way, you know. And this mold has seen use again uh, over time, and they have kind of painted in the details. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it's uh, wrong. Those <laughs> versions crossed my, my path, and I was like, should I buy them? No, nah, I'd rather just save up and get the original and best because you can't beat an original can you you can buy over 60 or 70 versions of snake eyes but there is only one version that was his debut be, there can only be one shadow yeah i i hear you dude in fact um this uh review actually inspired something uh, when I went back to my folks' place, I grabbed a few... Click uh, buy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not yet. Um, I would like to, but no, 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 not yet. <laughs> uh, when I went to my folks' house, I grabbed uh, a few Sideshow um, Joes to, to bring to the house, to, to Bravo. And um, I was going to bring Snake Eyes with me. And then I realized, actually, I think the Snake Eyes needs to be in his Commando Deco. And that's why I left him at uh, at my folks' place because I want to. When I go back and get him, I'm gonna go and grab his little baggie with all of his accessories and then do him up commando style. Because this uh, review actually inspired me to do that. So 
you got me to change at least one of my Snake Eyes figures to Commando version. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was Getting cool a little closer. I love that the we got original. the voice for Snake Eyes, like, down. Perfectly. <laughs> Speaking of voice, thanks for lending yours, gentlemen. It uh, wouldn't be the same. Oh, yeah, oh, that good, was man. it. Was a fun experience, and it's a good video. Um, I I definitely like this figure a lot more than I used to, um, but I, I still prefer version two. Sorry, <laughs> oopsie. Version three. <laughs> too many versions. <laughs> yeah, it's like, is it two? Because technically, it's two. Because that, the one that uh, re uh, that Stephen reviewed on on the channel is actually one point five. Technically, one point five. One point five. It's confusing, right? I don't know. And then after our Snake Eyes review, Boomtown, Cujo has been accumulating incredible interview uh, clips with various G.I. Joe adjacents, voice cast members, writers, actors, uh, and most notably, the big one, Flint Dilly, writer on the Sunbow series and subsequent writer on many, many um, properties of interest. But Kujo was asking some very pointed questions, particularly about the episode of the cartoon that really struck a chord in old Cooge. I think you know what I'm talking about. It's what lies beneath. Oh, no. Skeletons in the closet? Skeletons in the closet. That's the closet, it. yeah. That's right. Where um, Lady J has become an heir to a castle in Scotland. I think it's Scotland. Anyways, it turns yes, out she's yeah. related to Destro. And there's this annual clan meeting of some kind. The seance or... I don't know, very Lovecraftian. Of course, it rings all of Cujo's bells. But yeah, he had some interesting questions for Mr. Dilly. And you do well to listen to that podcast available on pod players everywhere and even on the YouTube. So uh, it's live at the moment. Go check it out. Cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Um, that was a cool episode. I mean, it's, it's a weird episode because obviously they're trying to do their own like continuity and stuff in this in the cartoon. Which is nice. I mean, it's wild. They're kind of, you know, doing their own thing. Um, yeah, I'm interested. I'm, I'm, go I'm personally it. a fan of uh, Lady J and Destro being related somehow. I, I think that's really cool, actually. Yeah, I mean, they're close uh, enough. You know, Irish, Ireland and Scotland. I mean, they're, they're pretty close together. She could be related. Well, the, the Irish and the Scottish would definitely disagree with you. Hardly so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, they're both yeah, islands. I, Come on. I, I do dig that that kind of... I, I, I like that dynamic. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I also love that uh, a lot of the Sumbo shows, and I can't speak of all of them, but there's two, and they both have a G in their title. G.I. Joe and Ghostbusters both feature a Cthulhu-esque uh, episode, or should I say Tulu-esque uh, episode. <laughs> uh, which is great, you know, so not just one, but two from two different shows and two different writers, which is great. I wonder which uh, inspired which. But uh, how, yeah, anyway, uh, there's actually a great horror movie, and I've spoken about it before. It's that Necronomicon uh, movie, the anthology thing. And it has a plot that is very similar to that uh, episode of G.I. Joe. Um, Anyway, go and check it out, Necronomicon, if you guys want to see what I'm talking about. Uh, I wouldn't yep, be surprised. And check if... out Cooch's yeah. latest File Cards final mixtape, 
Um, he went all out. The production value is pretty high. So I like that thumbnail. So. Some, well, he's also enlisted some synthwave artists to uh, add Ooh. to the soundscape. So it's a it's a very nicely put together. I think forty or so minutes of of audio. Um, then, I mean, the, the goodness just keeps coming, guys. Come on, it's like we were we were on easy street for most of August, and now we're running downhill. The Peak Clan, Glenn and his boys, posted a video called. The Coils of Cobra Part 3. The subtitle is Assault on Cobra Castle because, man, the action is thick and fast in their latest Playmotion adventure. Um, as of recording, for me at least, the, the premiere was this morning. And uh, lovely little turnouts. Thank you very much, anyone who, everyone who was there for supporting the Peak Clan. Yeah, I mean, to just, just to put everyone in perspective, if you're uh, about to check out this video, the boys have taken the wheel. They're four boys and they shoot it, edit it, stage it, manipulate the action figures. They are the voice cast. It's pretty impressive stuff. Um, I think the eldest son is in fact the cameraman on his uh, school uh, news team. Very, very cool. So yeah, they are upping their play motion game, guys. You do very well to check it out. Yeah, you might be pleasantly surprised at how professional. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Paul, you caught it, didn't you? What do you think? Yes, man? yeah. I I thought it was very impressive. Like, uh, I enjoyed the sort of storyline, the the ATB point, you know, getting us from ATB. But I want to talk about some of the things that I really, really loved. So <laughs> something that uh, that I've seen with these guys is their work has definitely grown. So every video they've done has been better than the last been more interesting from a like whether it be a camera or action or whatever and they put a lot of their skills together on this and some of the stuff that like firstly there's i don't want to spoil too much but um Zaymot and tomax make an appearance and when they have their dialogue um they do a bit of a focus pull uh but it's not really a focus pull but it's you know they they focus on and i keep wanting i keep getting these two confused but <laughs> it's Zaymot in the foreground when he's speaking and then when tomax starts speaking um they blur the foreground and then they focus on on tomax and i love that that's like very clever um because you know you can't animate these figures all the time you can't always get your hands in there because sometimes your hands end up being the character and it's a really, really great, great way to shift that dialogue. Um, and it definitely tells you which one of the two is speaking. That was very, very clever, very well done. Um, there are also some kudos to <laughs> sending a moray down a stream. <laughs> wow, well done. At, at high speed. I mean, Yo. I wonder how many takes it took to get that moray to not snag. Because it wasn't the deepest of streams. And it was rocky bottom, so it was like, wow, man, surely it snagged the rocks. But no, this thing shoots down that uh, that waterway, which is amazing. It's so impressive. And never seen like, again. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, here's a point I wanted to pull from that, is that like, it's so lovely seeing play motions done by kids, because when I'm doing this thing, I know it might seem like I'm being reckless with my toys, but I'm really not. The setups are so safe. You know, I, there's always something soft out of shot that, you know, the, if the figures were to fall, they wouldn't smash on concrete or something like, that, you know, or rocks for that matter. Like I'm, if I am sort of shifting them around, 
They're not walking on anything that will rub the paint or scratch the undersoles of the feet. They're always on like soft grass or soft soil or better yet in the water. Um, but with the Peak Clan, they play and they play hard and it is so amazing. Yes, these are 30-year-old toys, but they're still toys. And if you can stand to not be precious about them, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. So yeah, by all means, make that moray sail down that waterway at top speed. <laughs> awesome oh dude uh I, and then there was another great moment um that i thought was well i actually this has to be this has to be noted uh the voice work on this is fantastic uh great job p clan uh that cobra commander oh it hits me it hits me like hard i love it it is so well done it is so well performed uh and and i love the dialogue like that that Cobra Commander has that one line of, you know, contrast. And I was like, yes, that's perfect. And yeah, oh, I dig it. And and just like the framing of some of the shots, especially those interiors with all of the diorama. And that's another thing. The diorama stuff is so great. And I call it diorama stuff, but it's not really true to, uh, fair to call it diorama. The inside of the base is amazing. The Cobra Castle is amazing. These things, uh, they were sold to me. I, I, I loved it. I thought that was so well executed. Um, and yeah, great work. Basically, there. if you're looking for some playtime inspiration, look no further than the coils of Cobra Part 3, Assault Oof. on Cobra Castle. What makes me really excited, I mean, okay, we're probably going to wait another 20 years or so, but we might actually finally get a proper G.I. Joe movie if these guys are behind the scenes on that thing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So in uh, our 50s and 60s, guys, G.I. Joe, the movie, finally. Oh, yeah, and like, you're, you're 20 years away from your 50s, are you, Rob? <laughs> oh, wait, I should know. It's this. Oh, thanks for <laughs> oh. reminding me. <laughs> 12 years. All right. Actually, now we're we, okay. Uh, 12, 12 years. There's just a lot of direction. There's a lot of um, intention in those shots. And I love that. So, yeah, it just it just spoke to me. It, it hit me hard. Thank you, guys. <laughs> anyway, mm. enough, Paul. Steven wants to say stuff, too. Well, <laughs> th this last item is uh, not on our channel, but we had a hand in at least some of the voices. Uh, his name's Datalinks Magnus, and the video's name is Operation Arrowhead. This is a stop motion, wait for it, all you six inch fans, featuring the classified series G.I. Joe toys. Mm. So everyone who's been champing at the bit to see the new product featured in play motion or stop motion, as it is in this case, well, with a few elements of play motion, look no further. And can I just say, it's excellent. I know I probably gush far too often and, and it has probably lost all value by now, but suspend your disbelief, friends. Drift ever so slightly off the G.I. Joburg channel and check out Datalink's Magnus' channel. Link will be in the description below. And check out his stop motion because it is, it's top class. And what really sets it apart for me is that it's not pure stop motion. He has integration of live footage he has excellent graphics like stuff that i could only dream about like if you are seeing a pov shot through snake eyes's optics you know because yeah surely that visor has some kind of readout inside it you see the details and that stuff is 
painstaking amount of of like technical greebly to to set uh, the attention to detail is off the chain but the high point for me has got to be oh, would i give it away yeah a little bit anyways it's too delicious to not talk about sergeant slaughter makes an appearance and is <laughs> his his scene is the classic quintessential dressing down of the new recruits and it is played to perfection um you might recognize the voice <laughs> it's, it's not me it's not me um but he has been on gi joe before um and the the script work at that point is like it's pure comedy it's so good so so good i'm not going to spoil any of the gags but if you don't see anything else um of this video I mean, the last five minutes will just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's proper laugh out loud stuff. Like every delivery, I'm like, yes, priceless. That is exactly how Sarge would like belittle and deride Lady J and Levenick and quick Shockwave kick. and Beach It and Quick It. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, you guys got anything to add on Data Links's video? I agree with everything you just said. Um, the use of um, you know, of like live footage, the trans transition graphics, um, it just integrates a lot of media into into one video. Um, and also like the use of like like special effects near the end, I think, because there's like a whole like fight scene. Um, I think it's really cool, and and I'd, I I hope it keeps making more because this feels like the beginning of something. Um, it, it's it's sort of like an origin story in a way. Um, and yeah, I, I look forward to seeing a, a lot more stuff from from Dana Links. I had to do a few double takes because there were toys there that I, I at first I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's a custom. Uh, so I'm looking at Quick Kick for starters. Uh, very cool. And I know how it's made, um, but that doesn't take anything away from, from how well it's uh, it shines on screen. Uh, there were a few moments there where I was like, wow, that's actually a really good head, choi uh, head sculpt choice uh, for that character and for this and for that. And the voice work is cool. Uh, it's so cool that a lot of guys really brought their, their A game to it. Uh, there's some real performances there. Um, and the stop motion, uh, I always feel like when stop motion is good, you don't really talk about the stop motion. And that's all I'm going to say. Like, I feel that... Uh, I just believe the characters. I enjoyed a lot of the movement. I enjoyed a lot of the expression. And I, enjoy, I felt that a lot of the acting and the performances came through in the characters really well. So, you know, and that's me being quite specific. But when I was watching it and when I have been going through it, uh, I had to actually, you know, scrub a few times just to check, scrub the video a few times just to like see how it was done. Because at first I was like, da 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 da. And I was like, wait, this is a stop motion. So very nicely done, Data Links. Like very cool, and of course all your post-production work, um, your effects, and all the After Effects stuff that you did is fantastic. All right, okay. I think that's it for um, the <laughs> rather epic list of things that uh, GI Joe fans can check out this week. Well, yeah, releases from this past week. Um, Paul, did you yes. have something you wanted to add into the pot for this evening's podcast? I did. It's a bit of an odd, um, an odd one. Uh, I wanted <laughs> to ask you guys and to our um, live audience and to those of you who are watching the video, and so feel free to comment below, what are the things you won't do for the action figures? 
what what is what is your line where do you where do you draw a line for yourself when it comes to buying toys or should i say not buying toys what is the thing that you will not do i would do anything for toys I won't do that do that exactly that's the jingle boys gosh oh man well nowadays i'm finding things uh, locally so I've kind of drawn a line in the sand from, from paying international shipping, which is quite a luxury. But fortunately, there are a handful of Joe dealers in Oz who are doing the importing for us. Um, so that, that cuts out the, the, the hefty wallop of shipping costs. Um, mm. So that's one. Rob, wouldn't, what wouldn't you do, dude? Throw one into the pot. Hmm. I probably wouldn't murder someone for their toys. I, th I think that probably goes without saying, but. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, it goes without saying. Carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't commit a crime to, to acquire a, a, a beloved toy that I, I think I, I need to add to my collection. Hmm. I definitely okay. wouldn't. No, that's very noble of you. That's That's. That's wow. <laughs> like I thought, okay, I thought I was stating something obvious here, but you, but you're making it sound like, okay, not <laughs> there are limits that some people <laughs> don't see. And then if, I mean, and, and that's like, okay, so that's like the, the extreme stuff, you know, the extreme, extreme. stuff. Um, I was thinking, okay, so let's bring it back down to, let's bring it back down a bit. I mean, Stephen, yours was quite down <laughs> to earth actually. Um, mm, but also not a, a hard line. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking at right now, in fact, uh, quite a decent deal on the Action Force Havoc because oh. it ticks two boxes. It's the superior deco, in my opinion, because the Havoc was always shown, be it UK media or US media, be it comic book or cartoon, always shown with red accents. Why the US release has orange accents, I'll never know. So I'm looking at the Action Force version. I'm thinking, well, if I get that, I can move my Joe one, very kindly shipped to me by Mr. Creech, who's in the chats, on to you, Paul. Hey. Yes. So. I mean, that, that's cool. <laughs> and that's cool. <laughs> everybody wins. <laughs> but I'm not a fan of the Havoc. Why on earth would I buy a second one? Apart love, from Steve. to give it to you, Paul. It's, but, it's but, love, man. So I'm beating my head against the wall, like, do I, don't I? But as with most Action Force toys, you really want to find them, you'll find them in the UK. So that's where this havoc resides. And the postage on it would basically double its cost. I do have a brother who lives in the UK. I could have it sent to him for a princely three pound sterling. Wow. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's a car little here in South Africa. I'm joking. Oh, no, three pounds. It's like, it's like six dollars. I'm being US. ridiculous. I'm being ridiculous. Anyways, um, so yeah, that's 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 nothing. Sneezing. But I don't know. It's just going to sit with my brother because with international travel on the kibosh, I don't know when I'll see that havoc. I don't know when I'll see you, Paul, to give you yours. So all of these things are like a ridiculous mind game that I'm playing with myself the whole time. Um, I don't know if that really answers your question at all. It does. It does answer my question to a, to a degree. Um, what but actually? Is, what is the question? What is, let's boil it down to its essence. 
what won't you do in the pursuit of toys? I think yes. I wouldn't sell my body. <laughs> I yes. think. Uh, Rob, Rob, would, <laughs> Rob wouldn't kill anyone. Um, I don't know. Okay, so I'm gonna. I I, I will take mine. Uh, let me. me oh, here's one. I won't yeah. sell toys to buy toys. Thank you. Thank I won't ah. trade any toys for Those other are toys. Good ones actually to mention. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't give mine one. Now. Yeah. <laughs> they're all mine the preciouses <laughs> uh good ones actually because this um this came from a recent a local auction that i participated in for a very minty uh sky patrol skyhawk and uh it mm. also came with a low light version 2 and a muskrat uh which thankfully i already have and it also came with a very minty, complete radar rat, which, you know, take it or leave it. I've got one in a box at home uh, and I figured, hey, well, you know, that's a nice bonus. And then now I have it. Now I'll have an open radar rat. You know, that'll be cool. So the bidding started at like 150 Rand and sort of I just went with it and I was like, ah, oh, you know, let's see if I can get it. And um, while I was doing this bidding, uh, every time like it was the auction had uh, five minutes left on it. So I was like playing it cool. I just dropped in like 50 bucks, you know, like whatever. It's just to like go, hey, everybody, I'm also playing. And then I just let it time out a little bit. And I got to the end and I was like, boom, you know, dropped in 150. And then the timer on the auction extended. And I was like, what bullshit is this? What? Like, I should technically have had this figure at like just shy of like 300 bucks. So I was like, well, fuck this. So I sort of got into it a bit and I was like, and it kept on being ex extended by five minutes every time uh, myself or my competing bidder uh, or the guy bidding against me uh, had put in an amount. So I, I don't know, something about it just smelled a bit fishy as I was going through. And then I actually thought to myself, well, what is it that I won't do for this, uh, for this toy? And I'm like, the first thing that came to me was like, I'm not going to pay more than 650 for this um, Sky Patrol Skyhawk. Uh, be damned. I don't care like how great condition it is. I I'm going to, you know, bow out and I did, and I did lose the auction, but you know, it was literally because for some reason at that point, the seller decided, oh, well, okay, cool. Well, that's it. Nobody's going to bid this thing out. So, you know, so the dude actually ended up winning it for just shy of 700. It's a local guy I actually found out from a local source. It's a guy called Shaul who got it. So congratulations, Shaul, if you're listening to this ever. Uh, it's a good piece and you earned it. So nicely done. But then I thought about it and I was like, why wouldn't I pay more than that for a sky patrol skyhawk? And I was like, oh yeah, cause I have this house. <laughs> I'm living in this place now. And I got to say like the one thing I won't screw my living situation up, you know, like, you know, I would rather make sure all the bills and all that stuff is paid out and that I can afford food and all that. I mean, this is dirt stuff, right? But like that, my disposable income is, is sort of used for toys. So that was my one thing. Um, secondly, I won't sell toys for toys. And I was talking to another local um, Joe dealer and he, he's just recently acquired a Zartan. If you're listening, you know who you are. Um, and he sold four figures or something to, to be able to afford that Zartan. And I was like, I would never do that. Like I get why he would do it and that's great. And it's very, it makes economical sense, whatever. But I would never do that. I'll never sell from my collection to get like a piece. You know, I, my whole thing is I'm trying to complete my collection. 
I'm not trying to endanger my collection by trying to complete my collection. Um, I suppose selling my body is something I wouldn't do. And I'm going to say it here, folks. I won't kill anybody for toys. This is just cool, for my I'm glad, I'm glad you put that on the record. Yeah, I just wanted to put that out. There. <laughs> I was a little worried. <laughs> um, but uh, another thing as well that I won't do is I won't, and I know because I've fallen for this crap before in the past, but I won't pay more than I feel it's worth to me ever again. Like irrespective. Like if I see like, let's say a Commando Snake Eyes 1.5 and I see it going <laughs> for like $200 or $300, that is too much for me and I won't pay that. And I will literally hold out until hopefully someday the powers that be will, and the toy gods will align and they will help me find that figure and it'll come my way. But there are certain price thresholds. I just won't go over. And the, you know, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at at the moment, you know? Um, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because I mean, yes, it's, it's, there's a funny side to it, you know, like Rob not killing anybody for toys. But there's a kind of a semi-serious side to it, you know. I also won't screw people over for toys. That's another thing. Like, I don't believe in that. I will never buy mint and sealed box or mint on card with the express purpose of opening them. And that's not to, to say that that's a bad practice at all. I, I think mm -hmm. that is, that is a, a, a true gift that one can give to oneself. Like... To, it's worth it. It's worth the price of admission to be the first to mm -hmm. unbox that item, uncard that item. You you deserve it because it it's it's something that is you're getting less and less of, and it certainly commands a premium price to chase it. And you're getting that minty toy. Like mm. there is such such value in doing that. So I I can appreciate the uh, I can appreciate the notion of doing it. And I certainly am not jumping on the bandwagon of bandwagon of saying that that is a bad practice. No, 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 don't get me wrong. It's just not something that I would do because I think, you know, my, my highest aspiration is always to have these toys to handle them, to play mm. with them, to take them out of doors, put them in vehicles, have them rampage around the yard. Like that's, where I'm at. I don't want to have museum pieces in my collection. So something fresh off the card, as I've said many times before, is prohibitive to me. So I will never do that. That said, I did find a sealed tomahawk in the wild once. And maybe, just maybe, I don't know if I was bedridden for a period of time, <laughs> I would... <laughs> treat myself uh, but i don't have to because i've got some lovely play play tested tomahawks uh to hand so mm -hmm. that one can always stand as like just a cool story that's mm. all it needs to be yeah schrodinger's mm. toy you know yeah exactly <laughs> you, you make that joke know. every time it's pulverizer parts in there yep <laughs> <laughs> the pulverizer was like the first what i'd call tank i ever got in G.I. Joe and like I, because I was a s small in stature child this seemed like a substantial toy to me and then a few months after that I got the Cobra Wolf and then that seemed like a substantial toy to me and then flip forward a couple of years and I got the Co uh, the G.I. Joe Sky Raven and that seemed like a substantial toy to me so at every juncture in history like 
getting an upgrade and realizing, wow, this toy line has some pretty large pieces <clears throat> and then gets even larger from there. Like something like the USS flag. It's been that such seemed a piece like a big meal. piece. <laughs> I know it's been a wonderful kind of evolution. And, and I have my naivety and the fact that I was born in Africa to, mm. to, to thank, to thank for this, like, ah, wow. There's a whole new world just waiting for your discovery. Um, I don't know if uh, this topic has been exhausted yet, but I think we should move on. We can t certainly revisit it in the future. Um, but some great comments in the, the, the live chat, you know, about ensuring that, as you say, Paul, bills need to be paid. Um, mm. Investment accounts need to be maxed. You know, that's, that's very, very <laughs> good practice that mm. you don't um, dip into your, your kind of your smart money. Uh, for your 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 jollies, <laughs> your lollies, um, <laughs> and and travel. Um, Matt's primary uh, priority is with his disposable income is to to travel, and I certainly hope travel becomes uh, viable again and yeah, easy sure again. I mean, bloody hotel quarantines and vaccine passports. Ah, man, there's so many hoops at the moment. My brother is trying to get to South Africa. If he does his hotel quarantine on the way back to the UK, in the UK, it's like astronomical. But if he mm. flies via, via Germany, he can do his, his, his quarantine period not in a hotel. He just has to be in one place. Unfortunately, his girlfriend has family there. She's German, actually. So, man, it's just so convoluted. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of stories of like um, people needing to like go to like third countries, essentially, you know, like a stop off point mm, yeah. um, and actually being careful of where they choose because there's so many different rules and different expenses depending on where you're going. Um, it's insane. It's, it's just, it's, people just want to get home and they can't, you know, yeah. they, they can't even afford to get home. <laughs> A very cool YouTuber by the name of Alana Pierce. Uh, some of you may know her. She is a very good voice in the game sphere, in the video gaming sphere of things. Uh, she used to work for IGN and she is Australian. And she was just documenting her journey from America to Australia to go and see her family. And uh, I don't want to go into the details here, but uh, check it out if you want to get like some perspective on what it's like and, and how hectic it is and how quickly things change. I mean, you'll get into the country in one week, you'll do your quarantine for a week. Then while you're doing your quarantine, the, the laws about it or the rules, should I say, change. And then it completely flips everything on its head. And then you're screwed again, because now you can't go and do what you needed to do. And it's just it's madness and uh, anybody who's sort of risking international travel right now and when i say risking i mean the risk of really being irritated and the financial risk that comes with having to quarantine in a hotel for like what 14 days 10 days <laughs> uh it's it's frightening um it's it's in and some if ways... you're in the police state <laughs> of australia <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> even domestic even domestic travel is going to uh, come at a, a pretty penny in terms of hotel quarantines. Police state um, is very nice. I would have said nanny state, but that's me. No offense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. None taken. Um, yeah. But it, it, sometimes it's best just to stay the damn hell at home. Because I think that's I what, had, I think Kim that's the hint, right? Yeah, they're trying to encourage you to, you know, 
Keep your lollipops in their own little jars. Don't oh, mix them up. Your lollies, Kim and I sorry. had plans to go to Sydney to see some of her family because Kim's just dying, dying to show Elliot off to any family. So she's got some distant cousins in Sydney. Um, but <laughs> Anyone, even these guys who I haven't spoken to since I was six. <laughs> so random. Anyways, um, but with the Delta strain doing the rounds, Sydney or well, New South Wales has been in, in and out of lockdowns, as has Victoria. Like the south southeast part of the country, yeah, it just... Basically, we canceled our plans the day of the flight. And good thing we did because we probably would still be there. This was like two months ago now. Mm. Wow. But I asked for suggestions on like vintage toy shops to check out in Sydney. And the suggestions on Facebook were great. So this is a follow-up to that. The reason I haven't done a report uh, of you know vintage toy hunting in, um, in and around Sydney is, well, because I haven't been. Soz. But guys, Renegade Con has happened this past weekend. In fact, as of recording, it's into its second day only. Um, and the G.I. Joe RPG core rulebook has been uh, unveiled. They put together a character sheet yesterday. There's been some great coverage courtesy of uh, Full Force Podcast. So go support Chris McLeod's channel and check out um, his day-to-day -day, uh, recaps of what has happened at Renegade Con regarding these um, properties, this RPG game and also the deck-building card game. But uh, what I'm showing on the YouTube version now, do yourself a favor, is it the cover art for the rulebook by Steve Morris. And I'm going to punch in on it because does this art style not call back the old Find Your Fate books? Oh, Duke's, yeah, Duke's punching out a Cobra Trooper, Cobra Commander's mm. kind of towering in the background, roadblocks firing off to the, into the sky. Like, it, it's absolutely nonsensical, but it's so good. And Snake Eyes' sword's on fire. <laughs> it's very painterly, which is kind of a hallmark of those Find Your Fate books. You know, good old R.L. Stein's uh, hand in, in a few of them. But... Yeah. Um, beautifully done so yeah credits to steve morris he's evoked a very old school style but very faithfully adhering to the designs of the classified series figures hmm. i gotta say before you alerted me to this um prior to the episode i didn't even know that this entire renegade con thing was going on even what renegade game studios was um and you're the RPG gamer in the group. Oh, it's wild, damn. isn't it? It's crazy. Mm. Um, but I've, 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 I mean, since then, I've been kind of like, like looking around and I see that I mean, they've acquired a few licenses that they're kind of like um, creating games for and also new games. It's for. your favorite, Rob, from last week. Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Yeah, they've got the RPG going, coming up, uh, the card game. And I think there's also a figure-based line as well using, using um, Power Rangers. And also, I think they're going to be doing a Transformers, um, mm. Transformers-related games too. Um, that sounds cool. It looks interesting, and and watch, watching a bit of the live stream, um, a little bit of the description of the the RPG play system, it seems pretty streamlined. Um, and I think it it should be a fairly easy system for people to pick up and kind of like roll with. <laughs> <laughs> I've played an RPG game all of twice, and it was both yes. with you, Rob. 
um, <laughs> I I love it. And I perhaps love it a little too much. Because I was like, oh, guys, can't we, like, like just get some mood lighting going and, like, have a soundscape? Oh, God, he's a lurper. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> but come on. Rob's mates just wanted to, like, talk shit and eat junk food. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Come on. Stay in character. So stay clearly, focused. my my play style mirrors my style of, like, playing with G.I. Joes. I'm like, mm -hmm. shut up, Alistair. Shut up, Rob. You're not Rob. <laughs> You're not Alistair. You're Beachhead. You're Scoop. Let's stay focused here. Let's um, do it. You spiky Max Spike Fang. You just hadn't found your your group, your proper group. Yet. My clan. No, looking for exactly. looking for group, huh? <laughs> I, I need a tribe. Um, but yeah, look, your mates obviously were very much in line with your more casual approach, which is like yes, you know, shoot the breeze, but also go on an adventure through a dungeon. A roll, roll, roll dice every now and then. But I mean, yeah, I think it's more of like a time to just like hang out and then shoot the shit. Um, but I can definitely get more into like a proper, not proper, but I mean like a more focused role play, role playing uh, play style. I think mm. that could be so a lot of fun to explore. I'm now sharing um, some more art. I think this is also Steve Morris's work. Also yeah. very much like a find your fate painting. Um, and... It's got law and order, um, looking at a kind of a display with Major Blood in his kind of like his classified look. And then there's a character sketching. Um, mm. That character isn't clear to me, um, but I'm sure someone could help us out in the, the comments below. But seeing law and order gives me the impression that uh, we could expect to see a law and order very shortly in the classified series. That would be cool, seeing as they've got the mm -hmm. sort of dog sculpt down with timber. So, I mean, I'm not saying we're going to get a wild, you know, <laughs> like timber wolf with an Alsatian head. That would be freaking weird. Well, some of the, the biggest highlights of, I mean, of RPG um, rule books is the art. I mean, the art is what yeah. often sells you and kind of like takes you into that world. Um, and it looks like they've, they've, they've definitely got some good artists, you know, to kind of create the images that go along with 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 the rules themselves well and Paul, it's reasonably I mean, priced too i think 55 dollars, i believe for the um the core rule book that doesn't sound mm -hmm. too far off from other systems that i played like um pathfinder and uh dungeons and dragons dungeons and dragons as well Darren, yeah it is Darren available is for pre-order on uh, the renegade studios uh, website 55 bucks and no release date just yet they do have the release date for the deck building card game that's 45 dollars, and the release date will be october Did art I by robert atkins oh no I, I was just going to say to you that robert i mean if you, you uh -huh. wanted to mention rob that i mean paul Paul, you wanted to mention that Robert Atkins's art was featured in the deck building game, and you were quite pleased about that. That's mm. no, cool. Like, I always dig it when cool artists get cool gigs. Um, I dream have job? Something... Yeah, actually. When I say dream mm. job, it's like dream client. You know, like to do, to do this kind of work for a client is great, you know. Um, yeah. I, Why? What's the word on the street that about Renegade 
uh, gaming. Oh, no, 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 nothing like that. It's just um, when you get to work on a cool IP, I think that was actually more accurate. Like okay. you get, there's so many of these different companies and you might, for example, like get work with, say, for example, Fantasy Flight Games, who does a lot of uh, role-playing guides and books and tabletop board games, etc. Uh, but you may not necessarily work on, a, on an IP that you enjoy. So um, it's cool if you get to like, work for let's say renegade you get them as a client and then you know you get to work on the um sort of on gi joe or gi joe <laughs> you get to work on the gi joe ip and that's that's a great thing you know um so there's something i wanted to say about the art um looking at steve morris's art now i am not going to this is actually not so much about his artwork which i think is amazing by the way um it's incredibly well done it's got a great uh, mix between being painterly and digital, which is awesome. Um, but when you go back to the first image, and this is kind of, I'm going to highlight a problem I have with modern GI Joe. And I don't know if you guys will agree with me here. Uh-oh, hot takes. If, if all <laughs> of these character designs painted up the way they are, were, no, should I say, if all of the vintage, and I'm sorry if this sounds, you know, bad, but... If we had to take all of the vintage characters um, in their original designs and put into an image like this, it somehow seems like it makes more sense. Uh, I can't explain exactly what it is. I just feel like there's a, a sort of a more melee qu quality to the original designs of G.I. Joe. I feel like seeing all of these modern designs doing what they're doing here and Roadblock certainly killing the last bald eagle in America, with that uh, ridiculous <laughs> fucking laser gun of his. Um, Dude, there are rattlers doing flybys. Yeah, well, you know, he's not hitting them. <laughs> they still <laughs> he there. hasn't seen them yet. <laughs> he hasn't seen them yet. I just feel like there's something quite contrived about these character designs in this kind of style. I feel like Hasbro is trying to evoke this feeling. I feel like the artist is doing the best he can because he's delivered a very skilled and technical piece of art. I just remember, uh, I just, when I saw this, and it was, this is not the first time I'm seeing it, I saw it a day or two ago, a day ago, and I just felt, wow, this just feels so not right. <laughs> like, I don't know, how, I, I can't put it more uh, better than that. Like, I think all the other artwork you've shown, which is more slice of life, has been absolutely beautiful and actually fits in with the milieu of everything. And I almost feel like the image that's used in the red backdrop would have made a much more interesting cover for this um, personally i just i don't know i just you mentioned it earlier when you said it kind of evokes that feeling of the um, old gi joe books that were written by rl stein at all but those even those have like a hokiness to them but somehow they just work they just work really well and i don't know what it is about this that just puts me off like this artwork by itself doesn't excite me um it's a good piece i'm not I'm not debating the quality of it. It just doesn't excite me. It does nothing for me. The, the next picture that you had with um, Major Blood on the screen with Law and Order, that's more exciting to me. I look at that and I'm like, wow, okay, now I'm actually really interested in this book because that's going to be all the stuff that's going to be inside the book or on cards or on the screen. You know, when you have your DM screen up or GM screen, what is it called now? A Games Master. Games um, Master, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Dungeon, Dungeon Master is a trademark of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, but like even this... the D&D calls it a Games Master now, I think, hey? Because I think oh, really? Dungeon Master is a trademark of S&M. 
Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a great image. I love this image. It works for me, like, big time. Um, also, guys, I'm sorry to say, but there doesn't seem to be a classified shipwreck any time for us soon. And I'm sure you can see why. If you can't, I'll fill you in. Look at the design language of Duke's outfit, which is his classified look. And look how it, there's none of that in the shipwreck design. That shipwreck design is exactly his vintage look. Um, mm, I disagree. The, mm. the, the flare on his pants is far less than bell bottom. That could have been He's also carrying, carrying no. gear that would effectively swap out, you know, like it, it, it's accessories, basically you would be able to convert a teacup hat wearing shipwreck into a more tactical looking shipwreck or mm. a diver shipwreck, given the kind of stuff that uh, he's depicted holding. Yeah, I think but there's kind of like a, but like the, the, the fabrics and the, the styling of his outfit feels more vintage. Yeah, mm. that's, oh, that's it feels like something from the 80s. while what Duke is wearing feels more way more modern, like the way that his outfit is actually styled. But we've all seen the shift in classified to mm. doing the modern or doing modern takes on vintage designs. Like the first wave of classified were doing their own thing because mm. they were video game characters. Now there's a, sca a scaling back of that and Joe is starting to look ever so more like they're doing classics. Which um, means be wrong. that at Barbecue's some point they're going to have to re-release those original figures to actually have them gel better with the, act the figures later. Because oh, I, I be think surprised. that's kind of like the dissonance <laughs> that, that Paul is picking up on here is mm. that Duke doesn't feel like he fits in the same world as Shipwreck currently. Well, look, yeah. the other two. They already, they've already started. Roadblock is the perfect example of how mm. there's been this scaling back from like, okay, we tried something new. You guys don't like it as much as the same shit we've been shilling since 1984. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Have it. I just, oh, just JD onesie. Shout outs to you, my friend, but they totally are featuring Valor versus Venom ace design. Very mm. nice. So anyway, like I was just saying from an art directing point of view and from being art directed, um, I just know that if I had submitted this piece, um, internally with like, let's say my people, somebody would have picked up and gone something is the the guy with the yellow shirt is standing out too much why it's well either that or pose. swap out i don't know you kind of swap out shipwreck i think shipwreck is probably the one that stands out the most as not fitting in with the rest i just feel like shipwreck and i'm guessing that's ace um oh yeah are more in line with each other than duke is with with both of them but anyway i don't want to get into too, too much of that <laughs> i just wanted to just touch on it now that excites me. Here's what I wanted to get to. Mm. We've got miniatures. Is that Dawn? That's Jinx. Uh, oh, is it, ah. is it Jinx? Okay, sorry. Just there was something about it that just seemed. Well, that's Dawn awesome because I mean, with all yeah. the other games, especially um, Pathfinder, they do often release miniatures so that you can mm -hmm. actually have nice something physical in front of you that you you play on you know on mats. Uh, you can create little dioramas of spaces that you have your characters going into. Um, that's really cool that they're doing an accompanying line of minis for the role-playing game. So Jinx is, by my estimation, wearing like a tunic and sort of ninja tabby on her legs mm -hmm. with knee mm -hmm. pads. She has an unmarked head with beautiful flowing hair. She's got uh, a long sash 
billowing. Um, I don't know if it's coming off of her, her hairpiece or from her sword. She's got a long sword and a short dagger, uh, and she's posed on one foot. And this tells me, I mean, this isn't a design of Jinx that we've ever seen before. So it sends me huge vibes that this is a work in progress that we might see this design in classified. What do you th what do you fellas think? Yeah, I'm feeling you on that. There's a yeah, design so to too. the she's got a visor as well. Like Oh, so does she? It looks like Oh, then she's like blind. Bottom, Feels like it, yeah. Yeah, it looks like her bottom her her nose and her mouth are exposed and then her eyes and forehead are covered. Um, I just up. want to just quickly reach into the comments here because I actually um, do appreciate this comment. Uh, it's from Matthew Comstock. He says, I would just use the figures. Uh, Matthew, I was thinking the exact same thing. Uh, but here's the thing. I love painting miniatures. So I'm kind <laughs> of on the side of, yes, I would also just use the figures. But I kind of really love being able to paint the miniatures. So I'm excited about that, but yeah, great, great comment there. Because but that's the great thing about role playing games is you can literally do whatever you want to do. Exactly, you know, it's, it's it's your world. You're creating it. If you want to express the way that you you know you're you're playing these adventures out with the actual action figures, that's actually pretty bomb. Also, pretty Bart cool to me. Bart mentioned something here as well. Is um, he would just cut the end of her sword and make it a bow staff or just a bow uh, to make life easier um <laughs> but uh that's just me being a technical martial arts dork um <laughs> yeah um yeah but that's another side of role-playing games uh, and miniatures you can do things like that and you can actually change things by doing that so there's guys who take warhammer for example and uh will cut off the arm and change it with a different arm that is maybe holding a different gun or whatever and that changes the stats of the character and that is that's the thing. Once again, power to you, role-playing. You can do it your way, as Rob, as you just said now. Hey, guys, this is actually a great place to use your Super 7 uh, reaction, Joes. Oh, that's true, actually. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to work up a, a, a character sheet for Handaloo West. I mean, they want to go deep on the roster with those um, reaction figures. And all I can say is... Go to it, my friends. They'll be Make the, the deepest, the deepest roster of characters I'll never buy. I would actually <laughs> maybe go as far as to say that I would probably buy the characters before I buy the rule book. I buy the miniatures before then. Uh, it's something that like Jim and I have spoken about. Um, that's Jim Godfrey, uh, and I have spoken about a bit before. Is like how cool would it be if they just did GI Joe miniatures? And by extension, even if we just had miniatures of the vehicles as well, how great would that be? And so far, I'm loving that we're seeing Jinx, which is just so great to see as opposed to another Snake Eyes. Don't get me wrong, Snake Eyes is great, but it is not exactly the most exciting figure to paint as a miniature. Um, it's just great <laughs> to get... Um, it's, it's just great, just great to have something... in the original black. Easy. Exactly. Done. It's just it's cool to have something with some uh, some Joes from the roster. So when you say things like Hondaloo, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll paint Hondaloo. If, as long as I don't have to deal with another roadblock again or another Snake Eyes again, I can happily take the variety because it's the spice of life, as they say. I, uh, can, I can almost feel us doing role-playing sessions in the future. Um, I would love that so much. I think there would be a lot of fun to do. And we would be serious. Like, that would be the rule, right? We would get in there no, no, and obviously. be like, no, you're going to sure. be your character. So whoever's playing Snake person. Eyes, 
You're going to WhatsApp no everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Write it down, a piece of paper. <laughs> Gents, shall we reach into Postbox the Pit as we wrap things up? I think, I think it's we time. should. Yeah. Got a great uh, email from Wes Prophet. If you want to write the show, a real South African hero at gmail.com is the address you want to use. Uh, we'll leave it in the description as well. Or you can just uh, write us in the comment section wherever you are watching this video. But Wes says, hello, all. great last episode, 212. I wanted to share my top five dream list, but first to touch on the topic of the Russian mi24 hind that was discussed hmm. as to rob's amazement that those were not actually hinds in rambo i too was taken back and thought back to when i was a young joe growing up in kansas and my first time seeing the movie red dawn and the scene where the ragtag team of wolverines were caught off guard and swooping over the rocks was this huge helicopter I was under the impression of this being a hind. I never thought that it was good old Hollywood using its magic again. I would later discover what a true MI hind would look like via a book I received for Christmas on warplanes and helicopters. But still, that image slash scene of that helicopter was so intimidating. Thanks, Steve, for clearing up the confusion. You're welcome, Wes. Yeah, no, look, fortunately, coming from South Africa, the Aerospital Puma, which uh, the South African so Defense sexy. Force uses uh, the French helicopter, is a shape that is well known to me and i only ever i only ever watched rambo um first blood part two and rambo three as an adult so yeah i guess i i um i wasn't hoodwinked um any huge getting onto his list dun, 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 dun. start salivating guys here we go mm. his top five list number five the mauler he never had he's never owned one Hey, brother, it's a beautiful tank. Um, it's a beautiful it tank. Oh, oh. <laughs> Don't let it have a... <laughs> <laughs> Number four, jetpack. The jump with silver grand slam. <sighs> so pricey now. Yeah, silver paint, my friend. But hey, there's always the old permanent marker or silver marker AVAC trick from last week. Uh, the original Missile Command HQ with box. Oh my goodness, you are a sucker for pain because that's that's hardcore. Any like cardboard play sets, I just think to myself, that's just unlikely. I mean, those boards are going to be so chipped and marked and faded. It's tricky, tricky to yeah, heartbreak stuff indeed. Uh, the Terradrome, he's already got the, the Firebat and the AVAC pilots. Nice, oh, bro. You have, uh, you, 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 you've won half the battle. <laughs> yeah, you certainly <laughs> knocked out a very fiddly thing to try and cobble together after the fact. And number one, <laughs> the Defiant. Man, oh man. Mm. Yep. Good luck, hey, Steve, buddy. I gotta say, if there's one piece that you own that I envy a little is the Defiant. And I mean, I say that with love because I don't think I'll ever own one, but that's one piece in your collection that I'm like, Whew. It's, um, yeah, you're equally cursed and blessed as an owner mm. of a Defiant. I'll say that much. <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, shall we tuck into some of the Facebook responses? Now, this is where things really got interesting. Um, certainly the, the most 
um, discussion happened over on the, the Facebook group when it came to coming up with people's wish list items. Um, Gary V chimed in almost immediately with a, a very eclectic mix. He's looking for a GI Joe Crossfire. Uh, yeah, one that works, no doubt. Tricky. Um, number four, Mad Max action figures. He wants Mezco or Legend style. So I suppose the six inch um, Mad Max figures. Uh, number three would be the Cobra Silent Castle. I assume that's a wish list um, a fantasy item. Uh, number two, the General. Yeah. Yeah. Tricky to find generals that have all their greeblies. I mean, it's there are plenty of general hun- hulks, husks going around. But yeah, I, I feel your pain on that one, Gary. And his number one is a fantasy pick, the Cobra Aspid. You guys know what that is, right? Get in line, that, buddy. That's a chopper, right? Yeah. It still confuses me that it has a name now. Like, it's just the transport chopper. Uh, I... I have trouble with like adopting fan naming conventions because like at least, you know, Hasbro, when they put out a product and it has a really strange acronym, you know, it's accepted by all, but like when it's just us coming up with it, like that's adding a lot of credence to someone's fanfic. (laughs) I'm such a snob. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Another friend of the show, JD Onesie. My list of things I wish existed, but do not. Maybe one of them will someday be, but the rest are nonsense pipe dreams. You would like a classified Serpentor? Yes. No, Come on, that's, that's surely that's, that's in the happen. pipeline. A vintage Python Patrol AVAC. Ah, interesting. Huh? Well, wow. if you find one with really bad silverware, silverware, um, <laughs> just paint it up <laughs> however you want. I mean, JD's a, a dab hand with the, the painting. Um, then there's a, a ta- classified... uh, there's a Python Patrol AVAC. Sorry, like no, there isn't. Where... He he, he, uh, oh, he that, it's okay. a fantasy item. <laughs> Sweet. I was about to say, where was I? <laughs> that happened. But you know anyway, what? Yeah. I think I know where he's going with that because who flies the Pythonized Conquest? Hmm. Mm. The Cobra Viper. Duh. <laughs> I know. Stupid I know. Man. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Just, yeah. um, a classified series super trooper oh my man loves his chrome hey hey dude if we could even get a uh, super trooper and they could get um uh what's his uh, what's that wonderful human being's name again uh he was the head of marketing for for gi joe because super troopers based off his face as well oh buzzagian Yes, if they if they got Baziggy and Space Sculpt like down Kirk. for that, that would Kirk. be so cool. Yeah, mm. Kirk. Yeah, man, we met him, dude. <laughs> yeah, he he's was so on a cool. tour with a bunch of like giddy fans, and he, they got on like, like the same trolley that we were on in in um, uh, Chattanooga. Yes, and man, the, the, he he kept looking our way like. Those boys have a funny accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are they are they here for the convention? Do they know who I am? Like, why are they being weird? Why aren't they saying hi? <laughs> and we're sitting but there we, going, we, it's Kirk Bazigian. It's, it's motherfucking law, man. It's law. <laughs> what, what do we do now? <laughs> I want to get my picture taken with law and rub it in Alistair's face. Um, <laughs> Which we did, didn't we? 
I totally did. did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, JD runs out his list with a vintage Honda Lou West. Funny, she just got a mention by me, but yeah, Sunbow. Look, he he might get his his um his wish granted. It'll just be in five point of articulation. And then the GI Joe Mudbuster in realistic military camouflage forest and desert. Once again, JD, I'm telling you, man, you do the customizing. Just get one of those 1993 teal abominations and paint it however you want it. Come on. Then we've got Tony Roberts, Mr. Analog Toys himself. Cool. Uh, In the number one spot, USS Flag. In the number two spot, USS Flag. Number three (laughs) spot, USS Flag. Number four spot, USS Flag. Number five spot, USS Flag. And hilariously facebook has decided that that is in a different language <laughs> because i've got the little like the little tab that i can see translation and then i i hit it and then get a little like loading symbol and then it is exactly the same <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that it, facebook it's a big toy it, it, it would definitely take more than one space on the list <laughs> mm. well hopefully it's only it's like a matter battleship. of time like five pigs. analog toys needs mm-hmm. a flag. People would l- love to hear Tony's take on the flag um, because he is just such an enthusiastic guy, mm-hmm. um, and he would really inject a lot of passion into a flag review. So I hope that that can somehow come about through the miracle of the internet, commerce, and community. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brent McMillan had me in stitches. Um, it's kind of a visual gag that uh, doesn't really work when I speak it, but, uh, in the number one spot, it's just the word original number two spot V 1.5 number three spot with number four spot unreleased number five spot head sculpts all in capitals. So put that all together and it says, Original V1.5 with unreleased head sculpts. Do you guys know about that? I don't. No. For a time, when they were doing the Swivel Arm series in 1983, or for 1983, the characters, I think, Breaker, Zap, and I'd like to think maybe Rock and Roll, um, but there there were head sculpts done up to make them more unique and not just like carbon copies. Like those are the bearded guys. Those are the good looking guys. And those guys over there, those Michael Ironside motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So basically Zap had his pencil mustache. I think Breaker was clean shaven. Um, Flash looked like Flash, you know, like sort of auburny strawberry red hair. Um, so yes, those were unreleased. They never wound up doing them. So the V1.5s had the same old ugly head sculpts. Um, so yes, if they could be tooled up and done, that would certainly make Brent's, um, wishes come true. And probably a lot of Joe fans out there dying to have uh, slightly more accurate looking, um, OG 13 guys. That's crazy. I never knew there was a thing. That's quite a unique pick, actually. Ryan Sweeney gives us his top five. At number one, it's Hasbro G.I. Joe three and three quarter inch O-ring figures. 
That's pretty broad. <laughs> Appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you. Um, number two, classified road pig with bike. And Ryan and I have spoken about this off air. Like that would be a pretty enormous buck um, and coming with a bike as well. So that's, that's a lot of plastic. Thanks, Hasbro. Um, number three, classified thunder machine with thrasher. Sweet as. <laughs> number yeah, four, classified serpentor. Oh, yeah. Oh, certainly one of the, the strongest vehicles from the vintage line and not a huge vehicle, but yeah, certainly at six inch scale, it would be considerable. And don't snub Thrasher. Thrasher is actually a very cool looking figure. There's a lot of cool mm -hmm. stuff going on with him. Very good toy. Yeah, he's got like a two pack, doesn't he? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, was the sculpting game in 1986 not able to like do six packs? Like, like really ripped physique <laughs> or maybe thrash is he's just got a unique you know well i mean you know it's a gummy rat swilling um grape soda drinking physique mm. anyways i digress uh ryan would also like to see a classified serpenter with air, air chariot popular choice hopefully it's in the works i hope that happens and yeah, of course like classified v1 storm shadow it's only a matter of time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we... Let's take two more. Let's do it. <laughs> Zazel, Mr. Sergeant Slaughter, Slaughterhouse himself says, at the risk of sounding like a one-trick pony, 2021 is the year of Sergeant Slaughter. Mattel Ultimate Edition, USA Sergeant Slaughter, Ringside Collectibles, Iraqi Sympathizer, Sergeant Slaughter, Masters of the WWE Universe, Sergeant Slaughter, and Action Force, Sergeant Slaughter are all due for release this year. Thankfully, I've managed to secure all but that blasted Walmart exclusive Master of the WWE Universe, Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, it man, will I be mine. It. Oh, yes, it will be mine. It. Yes, I certainly hope so, too. Mm. It's a shame because there is the sort of equivalent of Walmart here in Australia. And I think they're affiliate, affiliated somehow. Um, mm. It's called Big W. I mean, come on. Big W, Walmart, surely. Oh, that's not what I um, thought. There must be a connection. <laughs> but apparently not. You know, Walmart exclusives are very much Walmart exclusives. Well, it's the same as like Game Here um, is technically Walmart. Um, in fact, Steve, if you go into a game now, it looks like Walmart. Like mm -hmm. the layout, everything. So, But... Australia has Target as well, and do we get Target exclusive GI Joe classifieds? Hell no. to the no! We have Toys R Us here in South Africa. Did we ever get Toys R Us exclusives? Nope. No. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So but now we exclusively States... have Toys R Us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Swings and roundabouts. I was about to say, like, if you're in the United States and you're having trouble with distribution, well, we're we're all on shit street, unfortunately. Um. Let's round it out with Mr. Creech. At number one, Temple Doom slash Silent Castle place it. It has to have the arena of sport in it. Oh, mm. yes. That'd be pretty sweet. Damn, it would be huge because that arena, I mean, it was like a coliseum within the Cobra Temple. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Dong, 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 dong. Sweet. I know, right? I can hear it in my head now. Totally going to watch Master Vice after this. Um, number two, the third part USS flag mentioned at Joe Fest. Ah, yes. The Screamin' Eamon custom. Well, yeah, let's see. Let's see 
what it looks like first, but they say it'll have an all plastic construction. So this is going to be epic. Uh, at number three, a 1980s style battleship for Cobra with, well, a whole lot of stuff. I mean, his, his, his technical rider goes on to specify that he wants like three barreled cannons in the front and a hangar with VTOL pad in the rear for rattlers, hurricanes, claws, trouble bubbles, etc. Um, I love it. So much detail. Like all the VTOL stuff, um, but obviously more defensive weapons in the rear, but you get the idea. Yeah, come on. It's got to have one of those close um, quarters um, chain gun systems. You know, you know the things I'm talking about that intercept, like basically shoot anti-ship missiles out of the sky. Oh, those are good. Yeah, I've seen those in movies. So <laughs> sick. Oh, yeah. At number four, he's going to cheat a little here. This is one item, but a six-pack of the original O-ring style figures. They are as follows: Saturn, I suppose, from um, Weather Dominator. No, uh, Pyramid of Darkness. Uh, Honda Lou from Weather Dominator. Cobra La Pythona. Oof. Sexiest bald chick I ever met. <laughs> I'm putting words in Andrew's mouth, but that that, that applies to me. Uh, Sergeant Weedler, aka Zorana. So this is pro probably from the, the episode where her and Mainframe have their little romance. Um, and Cover Girl with long blonde hair, like in the Mass Device episodes. Mm. And finally, Scarlet with long hair, as in the cartoon series. So yeah, absolutely. Like there are female characters that re we really wish we could have gotten, but you know, toy toy economics of the 1980s meant that we only got one female per year mm. until 1988. You know, so yeah, there are definitely some holes to be filled, and uh, this would be a crazy six pack to get. <laughs> Part of the button. Shut up, Paul. No, you're <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say one bun for like a wave of hot dogs, but hey, whatever. You know, play it how you want it. And finally, Andrew rounds it up with a large scale original G.I. <laughs> Joe HQ that we enjoyed watching in the cartoons, where Sky Strikers can roll out of the front for launch, um, a host of internal avenues for Joe training and living. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I don't know, man. This is This is something that I feel like could probably be achieved by most of us with just a a sort of a modicum of of like carpentry skills um because the gi joe hq doesn't have to be technically molded it's no. basically a, a piece of furniture um if you create shelving units for instance you could probably work something like this up and just create internal rooms uh, carve out doorways um sure it'd be nice to buy the damn thing lock stock and barrel but it's going to set you back a pretty penny and i mean all it is really is like it's just a, a shelving unit essentially into which you populate figures equipment uh dio pieces so i oh mean if if i was in a more permanent location this is something that i would seriously give some thought to but but as a comic book fan, first and foremost, I would probably tend more towards converting a cupboard into the various levels of the pit. Mm. Because the cupboard is already there. It can disappear from view when not in use. And then when you want to play or take pictures or do play motions, you fling open the doors and you've got the various levels. Obviously a, a nice big level for the 
uh, with a tall sort of ceiling for the heavy equipment. And then as you move down to briefing chambers, things get smaller. As you move down to living quarters, then it's it's very claustrophobic. But you get what I mean. Like it, mm. it's easier to do an underground uh, installation because it could just occupy a cupboard. Yeah, I mean, l listen, I've often looked at shelving um, in places like Builders Warehouse and, and whatnot and thought, hmm, maybe I should just convert that into a playset for something like the pit or Cobra Castle or something, you know, and just line in, you could actually just line the shelves in. You could, you could, go, you guys could easily go and buy some cardboard or filler or styrene or whatever that you needed to do. And you could dress those shelves up to be what you needed them to be. And because they have removable, um, shelf pieces, you could cut into them with a jigsaw or something, um, to create your stairwells and, and maybe your elevator or whatever it is that you needed. Yeah, you could really get into that. That's actually very creative, Steve. Nice. Like, and Darren wants to interrogate me further on which pit I would like to see, um, <laughs> basically occupy a, a cupboard in the house. Uh, sorry, Kim. Um, it would probably <laughs> be pit number one. It would be Fort Wadsworth. Um, the tricky thing is it has got surface structures, but that I suppose you can kind of play out elsewhere. You can kind of like hit pause on the game and go outside and set up the three buildings. You know, the, the one that has the kind of the, the, the lifts, the hydraulic lifts, the other one that has the helicopter launch pad. Um, there's a third, I'm sure, a water tower, something like that with an emergency escape access. Um, but yeah, it would be pit one, the classic, um, the, the, you know, the great cross section. I think it was in issue one of GI Joe. You can't beat a classic like pit three in Utah starts becoming a little amorphous. Like there has been an attempt at like giving us a cross section of it particularly in the IDW modern run, but that thing just becomes like ever expanding. Like now it incorporates like a place where they keep the transformers basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At one point, the transformers were going to be quartered in the pit three. Uh, that continuity is crazy, man. A, just, actually, there's no stopping the, it. Yeah. In the devil's due run, um, if memory serves, there is a schematic of the pit where the transformers are also housed, the Autobots. Is it not? Well, they've got the... I, I could it's, be it's wrong. Set could... into, I think Devil's Due, yeah. they set G.I. Joe's headquarters into a mountainside. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I just remember something there. I'm, I'm not seeing it too clearly right now. Maybe somebody in the comments will help us out with that and be like, no, you guys are stupid. And be like, okay. <laughs> also, I like guess the... we are. When G.I. Joe was quartered at the chaplain's assistant motor pool in Fort Wadsworth, like they weren't trying to incorporate like a, an aircraft catapult. Like if G.I. Joe needed air transport or if Ace needed to scramble a sky striker, it would be out of the Maguire Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. So probably the, the G.I. Joe pilots are kept off base. Like they, they probably quarter there while the, you know, the rest of the team um live work and and reside uh in the pit um so you've got your air jockeys with their planes and the rest of the guys kind of drive out to mcguire air force base so there's there's more 
realistic understanding of how these things fit together. Like I could never quite get my head around. I mean, the defiant is one thing that came out of the ground, but like if you have a X-19 taking off from the pit three, like, is it taking off up a ramp? Is it getting catapulted? How does it land? Cause this is a sophisticated stealth fighter. I mm -hmm. don't think it's too happy landing on a dirt strip. It's not mm. a C-130. Yeah. No, you're right. Something for people to think about and rationalize, hopefully, in the comments below after they've liked this video, if you're watching it on YouTube, and subscribe to the channel. Or, yeah, tell us cool things. Tell us Otherwise, amazing things that you enjoyed about episode 213. Otherwise, you can check out some of our awesome G.I. Joe Berg merch, which is comprised of images which are G.I. Joe-like, but for legal reasons are not completely G.I. Joe. And you can join these fine people over here and join our Berg Force. Yes, that's right. Do what these cool people have done and join our <laughs> Patreon. And I'd also like to take this moment to just welcome Joe Hunter 73 You are on the wall, my dude. You are in the Berg now welcome to the club and uh, if you want to know how to join our patreon here is the link and uh, just while i'm showing off the link you can also check it out in the description below and a huge thank out uh, thank a huge thank out yes a huge thank you <laughs> and a shout out to all of our current bergforce patreon supporters you guys rock we feel the love and thank you very much and with that i'd also just like to say that um I watched Rambo 3 when I was very young and because of the video game on the Mega Drive, they actually used a real hind in the video game for the boss fights. And so my brain always thought it was a real hind because of that. So moving along, that's my parting thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to see this RPG at some point. Um, mm. Like first Paul introduces his kind of like version of it and then some company is like, ooh, I like what Paul's doing over there. Let's maybe yeah. make an actual <laughs> RPG. Let's make a card game based on this. <laughs> hey, dude, wouldn't it be like really funny? And I mean, like, I don't think this is how it's going, but wouldn't it be really funny if they saw that episode and, you know, like they did this RPG, like they planned it three years ago, because as was pointed out in the comments earlier, Duke has still got his gold trimmings and mm. maybe they shelved it and they were like, oh yeah, this is never going to happen. Or maybe we're not going to do this. And then maybe somebody saw that episode and they were like, actually, wait, no, maybe there's a market for this. Let's try it out. But People it's not like they might that. Want this. Yeah, no, it's not like that. It's wishful thinking. I think they just decided, well, people are at home and tabletop RPGs are kind of a thing right now because uh, Dungeons and Dragons has been selling exceptionally well. And we're like, well, we've got to strike while the iron's, uh, iron's hot and we've got to do it like five times. So we're going to do Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, uh, Transformers, and I wouldn't be surprised if My Little Pony is on the way as well to a tabletop role-playing group near you. Anyway, <laughs> hopefully not. I'm excited about you. that. I would love <laughs> to do role-playing sessions like that online, um, and it'd be cool to get some of the Bergforce involved and stuff like that too one day. Heck so, yeah, dude! Let's make that. Happen. Well, we've got a great request already. Darren would like everyone to go home and do their character sheet. Oh, cool. Whew. Ooh. Thunder Shark. <laughs> you know, I, I need someone to hold my hand through all of that. Um, so <laughs> I'm afraid, yeah, my Steel Brigade guys, as far as it gets for now. 
Um, you know, working through a character sheet for an RPG is it's technical, it's mathematical, it's spending points. It's, you have dice. Uh, it's yeah, but like, how do you roll dice? You know, and what yeah, are the numbers say, on the dice? Oh yeah, but it's confusing. <laughs> Guys, I dropped high school maths. Shocker. The so did actor I. <laughs> decided he was he had enough of this numbers shit. Actually, by that stage, it wasn't even numbers. It was it was algebraic expressions and oh trigonometry. They added letters into maths. I it's do. maths. Mm, maths doesn't I have letters to, in it. I had to drop technical drawing because I didn't take maths uh, on that senior level. And they were all like, well, you know what? When you get to like grade what is it 11 you're not allowed to like have two you know periods of two <laughs> subjects that involve drawing so like screw you we're gonna take the one away from you <laughs> and i was like oh fuck you guys and it, and the irony is and i'm sorry to say this but the irony is that I, I was one of the stronger technical drawing students in the school never mind like like so because you lost. draw so good boy you draw i draw so, so good, good and dude. when you're giving me a ruler and an eraser, I can draw very good, especially if it's just architectural things. Architectural. So, fantastic. <laughs> All right, let's close it out, you hogs. We love you long time, but uh, I'll see you in seven days, boys. Absolutely. Boys. Have a good week, yes. everyone. Have a good time. Yeah. Keep it real. Keep it Joe. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to check out those videos if you haven't already. Snake Eyes review on G.I. Joeberg. The Coils of Cobra Part 3 on G.I. Joburg. Uh, the final file cards by Kujo. The podcast and YouTube version should be live by now. And also, Datalink's Magnus's Operation Arrowhead on his channel. And I'm going Links to blow description below. at Ryan and MCDJ, <laughs> ACDC, and the rest of the Berg Force. Yep, thanks for joining us, live studio audience. <laughs> cheers, cheers, and... Yo, Joe. Retreat! Retreat! <laughs>